All right. Well, we have, today we'll be ending a sermon series, Operation Red, looking at the red letters of Jesus, um, those things that Jesus, uh, we know are direct teachings to his disciples and those around. And uh, we've, we've looked at a lot of different things. Uh, if you remember, the angry birds, and love your hater, love your haters, um, fun, fun ones like that. Obi-Wan Kenobi faith, we talked about that. Um, all, all in a sense of looking at what, what the Lord is trying to do uh, through his teachings with us. And so uh, we're learning how, this is where we have all learned uh, to this point, and we learn how to apply it in such a way that we live daily trusting the Lord in all things. So we're going to read Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light in you is darkness, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will, he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And then it goes on, our titles in our English Bibles, uh, many times we'll have a title, and uh, this one will break here in mind and say, do not be anxious. And so, this is where we're really uh, getting into the meat of what we're talking about today. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body or what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. I tend to be a worrier, and, and that is, uh, there are some areas of my life I feel like God has helped me to be a champion in, in my faith over, but this is one area where I, I am on the lower end. I'm, I remember when I was in the Navy, and uh, I was trying for a diving program, and, and I got in there. Um, I was really fast in the water. I had worked up to doing a 14-mile swim in a 25-meter pool in the All-American Fitness Center in Broken Air, Oklahoma, so I had swam for months before preparing. And I always liked to swim, but I had studied the techniques of how they, they expect you to swim, and I had got it down to pretty much a science at that point, and so I could kick and glide and go, and so I was fast. But you put me running, especially in the sand, because we didn't have sand in Oklahoma to practice in, right? I'd run in jeans, I'd run in boots, I'd done all the things they said, but I had no place to run in sand. And that is a whole different uh, situation. I mean, it feels like it just is pulling the bones out of your legs at times when you go on those long mile runs. And so I was very slow uh, in the sand. So I loved when we got in the water because it got the instructors off my back because they're yelling at the guys in the back. But I get to run and be back there saying, Brummett, you run like a woman. Pick it up. You know, no offense to the ladies, but that's the things they would say. And all kinds of other things. And you start thinking your name is a four-letter word when you're in the back of the pack because that's all you hear just about. 
But I, I tend to be a worrier, so if, if we're comparing uh, those things, then when, when it comes to running, uh, worrying is my counterpart in the spiritual realm. Um, and, and I try not to do it. I work hard to put my faith and trust in God, but there are just times when the worry, it kind of drags me down, and I have been tested hardcore on this over the past year, especially. I know this is a time uh, of national worry for some, you know, it depends on your presidency, right? Some people are feeling all relaxed now, and some are feeling super angst, like some did under the last presidency. You know, it, it switches back and forth. But a, a lot of people still are out of work, uh, causing a lot of worry, uh, without insurance, or some can't afford it still, or paying much higher rates for insurance. Fuel prices continue to be a financial strain. People all around the nation are worried. They are worried about the future security of our nation, that that is deep in debt and vulnerable to attack from within and without. So national security is, is a huge thing, both financial, our national financial security, and just our safety. And so it's carried over into the homes. It's carried over into relationships. It seems, however, that we Americans do a lot of worry. Studies continue each year that show an increase in the number of calls to mental health providers because of stress and anxiety. I've commented before when speaking about the military when I would hear this thing about, uh, you know, 22 suicides every, every uh, minute and those type of things. And, uh, or every, every 22, I'm getting it backwards, 22 minutes of a suicide uh, from a veteran. But it's true. As I've friended more and more veterans on Facebook, I've literally been conversing with some and then later see a post where uh, one in particular that I know I've had some private messages back and forth where one day he called his wife and said, you'll have to pick up the kids from school, went a mile from their house and shot himself. And, and it's just bewildering the, the type of worry and anxiety to get to that point that someone is driven to that. What if there's no more oil? What if we run out of oil? What if my spouse leaves me? Will there be more terrorist attacks? My cholesterol is too high. How am I going to pay the mortgage this month? Have I wasted my life? What if I have to declare bankruptcy? And for worry warts, this is the soundtrack of our lives. If one thing is taken care of, we're on to the next. But given the current state of the economic and political affairs, worry has become a national anthem. I, I have to be careful. Sometimes I have this thought, and I want I'd like you, you just some some of you may you just want to put it on Facebook, right? We just want to blast out. Oh, that's a good thought. I should just share that. And then, you know, I've learned to be careful with that because I could put a thought out that had nothing to do with somebody else's post that I'm close to, family or friends or relatives, and then all of a sudden find out mine made them think I was, you know, talking about them. Kind of what happens in sermons sometimes. People think I prepared just for them. But I just caught something about the whole thing about football players kneeling, you know, during the anthem. And, and most of it's red-blood American Christian right-wingers that are, that are tooting the horn about this big problem. And, and I'm a patriot. I get it. It riles me some. But you know what thought hit me? I was like, you know what? I wish our church is worried more about kneeling in the altars than players, whether they're kneeling during the anthem or not. I thought about how disgusting to me it is that we will, we will get so rammed up about that and we'll put all the say, and we don't, we don't say a word and we head out the back door after the pastor has just almost pleaded, say we need to get down and humble ourselves forward and pray. Oh, pastor, my knees. Well, you don't seem to care about those football players' knees. Maybe their knees hurt. No, 
We don't want to get too far in the weeds on that. But it's true. And my heart is breaking that we are, we are getting so politically charged as Christians in the church. Like, like we just want to ignore the verses that say we're aliens passing through. This is not our place, right? The, like I know we live here and, and things matter to us that, that affect our nation. But listen, them standing during the anthem and, and being respectful there will not lead them to an altar to Christ. You're, you're, not, you're not evangelizing or doing anything by taking those topics and making them your anthem. And I know I've harped for years about this whole thing about Facebook, social media, but listen, it's damaging the testimony of the church. It's damaging your testimony. What people read from you online is out there forever. You may go back and delete the post. I guarantee you there are ways people will be able to see it sometime, somewhere. And you are literally laying out for people who you are as a believer inside and out. So these economic and mental health statistics reveal a growing plague of worry and anxiety in the U.S. And it's like if, if we don't have one thing to, to worry about or to argue about or get upset about, there'll be another. And so, so it, it's really a matter of what you choose to put your focus on. And some of you, especially Ken and Nathan that were working with me yesterday at the church, you know, they're like, man, you are such a hypocrite. Because I was at the end of the day, I said, this is what I told pa, pa, uh, Brother Mike, I said, um, I am trying to teach myself not to make big assessments about the project at the end of a long day. Because we were out there from 7 till about 9.30 or 10 o'clock, whatever it was, and uh, in bed by, by 11. That's not something I want to do natural, but we're hanging the speakers, the sound system, and we had pressure to get it done before the floor guys come back to get all that equipment up high. And so <laughs> we were there a long time. And uh, so anyway, by the end of the day, I was telling Ken, I was like, I don't know what we're going to have to do, but this thing has to get shorter. We cannot do this another three months. I can't do, you know, <laughs> and at the end of the long day, you don't, you don't want to make those assessments. But, but, but worry comes so naturally in our sinful nature. It, it's like I mentioned, you put a little pressure on someone and whatever has been turning in their mind will come out the mouth. That tube of toothpaste. And if you've been worrying in your head about stuff you don't need to worry about, when there's pressure on you, it will come out your mouth. Everybody will know your worries. Folks, we live in a world that induces a state of fear and panic and worry. I mean, the news media, what they sell is fear, and if they can get everybody worrying about something else, then that's ratings. And so they just feed people fear. So what are we to do about it? Well, that's, that's the question. With, with God's word, what are we to do about it? And, and what is... Jesus teaches about worry. Well, in most of your Bibles, there are things called headings, as I mentioned. And in some Bibles, Matthew 6, 19 through 24, has the heading of treasures in heaven. Then Matthew 6, 25 through 34, carries the heading of do not worry. A as I study Matthew 6, I see how treasures in heaven and do not worry are really two sides of the same coin. They go hand in hand. What you have heard me say about the greatest treasure in heaven, that the people, people you bring with you are the treasures in heaven. What was important to families during Hurricane Katrina, during the tornadoes in Joplin, during these recent hurricanes in Texas, uh, any other tragedy where there's loss of life, what was important to them? See, earlier in Matthew 6, Jesus tells us to pray, give, and fast. 
as acts of righteousness and as acts of declaring our dependence on God to to pray, to give, and to fast. When we pray, we're telling God we trust we, we trust he will hear and answer. And when we give, we're telling God we trust he will provide. And when we fast, we're telling God that we depend on him to reveal to us a broken world and we trust him to use us to help be a part of the rescue efforts. I've mentioned this uh, some years back, and it's not my quote. I'll tell you, some people wanted to attribute to me, but it's not my quote. But, but worry is premeditated atheism. Think about that. Worry is premeditated atheism. Because if God's telling you not to worry that, that he provides, that he clothes you, that he feeds you, then, then when we worry, if we know God's word, we are making a, a, a predetermined decision to not trust God, to not believe that he is who he says he is. And so in effect, it is premeditated atheism. That is a hint of atheism that you are allowing to, to creep into your life. So, through, so Jesus follows this up by telling us not to store up treasures on earth, but to store up treasures in heaven. And we think, how do you do that? Well, through sharing the gospel, winning souls, prayer, giving, and fasting. We are laying up for ourselves treasures that cannot be stolen or corrupted by the decay that happens in the earth. This is often what I, what I think about when it comes to, we were talking about the fact that Jen and I, when we felt uh, that we were going to be going on a mission field one day, we, we were talking about it one day and said, you know, the thing that bothers me is we're so excited about to go to this other culture and this new place and these people and that we're going to go there to win souls. But I said, if we're not doing it here in our own backyard, what makes us think that when it's in a more difficult culture, there's a language barrier and there's all these other things that we have to get over that we're going to do it there successfully if we don't do it here? And I found that to be true in so many things. It's like we could organize a missions trip to go to some South American country and to build a church there, and we all feel great about our efforts. We'd be there a week, we'd blow in, or two weeks, we'd blow in, we'd do our thing, and we'd leave, and the missionary would be there to make the rest happen. And we feel good about it. Because really, the responsibility of the people didn't really rest on us. We just were swinging a hammer and putting in some nails, right? But we, we did our part, and that's good. And we've done missions, I've done missions trips, and they're good. But really, it's the mindset that I, need to, that I think we need to think about is, when we talk about storing up treasures in heaven and, and the investment that God has put around us, the investment opportunities in people is, is if you blow in and out of people's lives and you blow in and out of ministries, but you never fully invest and fully put yourselves into that, then, then truly you don't really know what's happening with your investment. I think about these investment brokers. Everybody's familiar with, uh, with um, Warren Buffett. Thank you. I started to say Jimmy Buffett, and that was a whole different, that's a whole different person there. I don't think he worries much, but it's probably alcohol-induced, so I don't know. <laughs> but Warren Buffett, you know that when we have these big crises in the financial market and people start panicking and selling their life savings to try to keep from losing it all, guess what Warren Buffett does? He buys in. He goes all in, and he rides it back up. The people that really win in investments are the people who look at the times when everybody else thinks it's terrible and jumps in and gives everything they've got and then rides the blessing back up. Because fear and worry are investment killers. 
Fear and worry are an investor's enemy. If they let fear or worry drive their investment choices, they'll be like many of the small timers. They'll be buying when things are, are high and selling when they're low, losing their shirt every time. Jennifer, I could tell you about that. We did Dave Ramsey. We saved up $18,000. We had $9,000 apiece, and we thought we have arrived. We had a lot of debt still. We hadn't done this plan correctly. We were kind of starting the savings over here, even though we had a lot of debt. Uh, I was smarter than Dave Ramsey, even though he's taught millions of people, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it my own way. And So 2008, I think it was, we, uh, we decided we're going to go ahead and invest anyway, even though we haven't paid off our debt. You know, we don't have a real emergency fund, but we're going to invest this anyway. Because we saw that little chart, how uh, Ed and Tom, whatever their names are, that they started saving. And the quicker you get into it, the better. And within months, I think it was February 2008 when the crash happened, and our $18,000 went down to like 3000 And it took, I don't know, eight years or so for it to go back up to what we had originally put in. Because we let... We, we let, that was a little bit of greed, but we let worry also about the fact that we're starting too late. You know, I'm too old, Jen, to be, we need to be doing this now. We're not 19 and 18 like the example. We got to do this now. Instead of following the wisdom that had been given to me. Do you know at one time in history, the United States Treasury would ship millions of dollars, dollar bills, fives, tens, twenties to the African, African country of Liberia? They'd ship them there. You know why? Liberia had been founded as a refugee for freed American slaves, and they used the U.S. dollar as their currency. And so when paper notes were taken out of circulation because they were too worn, the U.S., they, they would send them, they'd send some of them to Liberia. It's like, here, use these. These are worn out. The notes were so old and worn that you could see through them. They were almost transparent. They had holes and were generally a mess. And all those millions of dollars that had been paid for, that had paid for so many things, they'd been deposited, they'd been used, they'd been so valuable to others, and yet now they were not worth anything. We're willing to give them away. Jesus goes on to tell, Jesus goes on to tell us by storing up heavenly treasures, we can gauge what our heart is truly fixed on. We tend to guard the things that we treasure most. This, this is something that if I could step out of my pastoral role and go, you know, have some other guy that's pastor so I could talk just straight to you and you not feel like the pastor's coming down on you. But the truth is, is from a pastor standpoint, and I watched this under Pastor Roger as his, as his armor bearer. Now how, how, I wasn't as good as Nathan, but kind of how Nathan supports me, I was trying to do that for Pastor Roger. And, you know, he said to me one time, I came to him because somebody had brought to my attention that they were frustrated with his leadership and wanted to see us do more things. You know, we're not doing enough. And they didn't know that what was going on in his head that he was there to prepare me, but they expect us to be doing programs and doing more outreaches and all that. And so they had to come and confide us. And to that point, I had really had pushed back. So you can go talk to him directly. But um, that time when we went out to a bike event, he had a motorcycle. And I remember us sitting on the curb and his, his wife had even asked me, said, now, does this just go hang out or you got to talk to him about something? And I'll just tell you, I didn't have integrity. I was afraid to tell her that I need to talk to him about something. I said, well, let's, we'll just hang out. We went and we sat down. I said, Pastor Roger, I got to tell you. I said, people, 
people are coming to me. It was really just one person. But that's how we do it, right? People are coming to me and saying they really want to see us do. And what I think is, in my heart, I really kind of wondered myself, why aren't we doing more stuff? People are coming to me and telling me this. And they're worried that, you know, we're just not going to be able to minister to our community if we keep going the way we're going. And he had this thing where he would, if he got frustrated, he rubbed his head, he shaved his head, he rubbed his head. I won't do it because I don't want to mess up my hair. But he rubbed his head and he just put his hands in his hand and said, CJ, I just don't know who's on my team. And I said, oh, and I mentioned this before. I said, oh, that, I didn't tell him, but that stabbed me in the heart. I said, I'm on your team. But I realized afterwards, no, I wasn't. Because the way I approached that, the way I handled that, listening to what I was listening and not telling him, you know, again, go to him personally. I had joined forces with the opposing side, and he didn't know who was on his team. He said, I'd like to do more, but I don't know. And what I've learned as a, as a pastor, we, we often will show what truly we feel about the ministry God has put us in by how much we invest in that ministry. And I'm talking about finance. I'm talking about ourselves. Are we a passerby? Are we on the fringes? Are we in the, in the trenches with the rest of the folks? And I'm just talking to you straight about it. Um, I, I've talked to a couple people that have recently, they, don't, they aren't planning to come here, but they moved from one church where I know that pastor to another church. And my thought was, because I knew the skill sets of this person and how good they were, and where that church was at, I was like, oh my goodness, that had to really hurt that pastor. Because he needed them. I could use them. <laughs> you know? I mean, their, their skill sets and their talents. And I thought, how hard that must be for the pastor. But, but in the Bible Belt, one of the struggles for churches here is because of the ebb and flow of people in and out of churches, it's really hard to get solid forward movement with a plan to go because you don't really know sometimes who's going to be there and who's not. It's just true. Think about your job situation. Think about it if you go in, and we already know people call in, but what if the majority of your people were calling in and you had just a couple? How much would you get accomplished? And what we've got to realize in the kingdom that, that we worry about our finances, we worry about our housing, we worry about all these things, and all the time the enemy is using that because we know how God feels about worry, but he's using that to cripple the church body. He's using that to keep us at a point where we're so afraid of turning loose of not just our stuff, but our time, our valuable time and other things to, to truly invest that, that literally God's trying to reach that same community and you'll have people say, well, I'm going to go over here because they got a great program to reach their community. Well, it takes people. None of those big churches started with, hey, we have a thousand people just standing over here waiting to join and, and be part of our ministries. It was through the, the commitments and getting in the trenches and working together that God used the people to get to that point. We're unable to serve two masters. We cannot treasure the things of this earth and still be completely given to Christ. We cannot be consumed by the stuff of our life and by, and by Christ at the same time. We're going to choose one or another. And I try to look at uh, houses and cars and money as tools. Tools are something I need in order to accomplish a task. For me, a house is a thing that God gives me so that I can use it to minister to others. A car allows me the opportunity to, to more effectively do the work of the Lord. And don't get me wrong, there's, there's nothing wrong with having things as long as things do not have you. And listen, we've used our cars for ministry and they still would break down. 
I'm telling you a story about when we first started pastoring, my Jeep wouldn't start on a Sunday morning where that was our only vehicle to get here. And I'm like, I'm supposed to, I have to be there, Lord. And we lived in Bella Vista. I'm like, seriously? And I just prayed, slapped my hand on that dash and turned the key and boom, it went. You know, we, we tend to get very emotional about our, our ability to be mobile, about our ability to communicate through our phones and those things, but they are still just tools for ministry if we truly have the right mindset about it. Why is Jesus telling us to get our priorities straight about the material things of this life? Well, quite simple, he's doing this because he knows the more stuff, the more divided we become, the more worry we'll have. Worry in its most basic form, again, is misplaced trust. Worry means that somewhere along the line, we have placed our trust in something other than God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We've replaced the power of God with the manufactured security of humans and their ingenuity. I've watched, you know, one of the topics I could go on on this when we talk about this is when it comes to your health. And this is very, very tough because we're not Scientologists here. So I believe God's given doctors uh, the smarts to help us as well as his healing power and medicines. But it's a very slippery slope Christians get on sometimes when they start talking about this and, and start saying, you know, well, listen, you know, Prayer, I saw a thing about someone in, in suicide recently. And like, listen, this is not a time for prayer. This is a time for medication. I thought, whoa, you cannot go that way either. You, you cannot become so worried about health and about uh, the sustaining power of God to, to take the power out of his hands in your mind. You're not truly doing that. And say, God cannot do this here. It has to be man. We also would not tell someone to not go to the doctor while you know, while we're praying for them, say, "Well, just wait till they get the answer of prayer. Don't go to the doctor until then." When we pray, when we give, when we fast, we are declaring our dependence on our triune God. These tools, through acts of righteousness, work to root out the false idols in our lives. They root out those areas where we are not trusting in God's provision, those places where we tend to worry. And listen, even a church building can become the wrong tool or the wrong device. We could put so much focus on this building and not the ministry that's supposed to take place in it that it would become an idol. And then we're just working to pay for more building. But we look at what Jesus tells us not to worry about, about clothes, about food, about life, about what we drink or eat. Jesus says, don't worry, saying that what we shall eat or what we shall drink or what we shall wear. And this is what the unbelievers do, is what it tells us. Believers trust in the Heavenly Father for everything. Unbelievers worry. And why is this? Why, why should we feel this way about uh, our worry? Because the Heavenly Father thinks we're more valuable than birds and barns he thinks we're more valuable than than uh the food and the fashions of this world he cares about every detail and because you're you're valuable to him he has promised to provide all of your needs prayer and giving and fasting all helps us to see this recently when i preached about fasting and we we talked about fast food for a better attitude what was was part of this series 
the truth of the matter is, is sometimes we do have to get ourselves to abstain from something to be able to see what its true value is. You know, when I fast, when it comes to food, I start realizing, you know, when I go gorge myself at the buffet, I don't need to do that. That's, that's just excess. It starts putting things into reality that really God has given me enough to sustain me, and then I've made this thing about entertainment. I've made it about a pleasure instead of being something that is just meant to get me down the road to do more ministry. Prayer and giving and fasting helps us to accomplish the command of Christ found in Matthew 6.33. We do not run after the stuff of, uh, of life like the pagans, but we, what it says is, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And why? Because, because we trust that in doing this, God will give us all the things we need in this life. That's the beauty of how that works. When you put your focus, I say this a lot, when you worry about kingdom things, God's things, he, he makes himself about your things. And so when we worry about that 401k, when we worry about the future of our jobs, when we're worrying about that, we're, we're taking the focus on the wrong part. When you put on God and his kingdom, and he will take care of the rest. So I got to ask you, what are you worried about today? I'm going to just put myself, maybe I'm the only one in here, so y'all just have to pray for me. But I worry about how long our project will go. I shouldn't, but that's where my, so my worry's been. I worry about my ability to physically finish. I worry about how my family will fare this and my kids and in the future because of my past experience. I worry about each and every one of you if we're truly going to come to another place with God where we are totally just saturated as presence and, and worshiping with, all, with reckless abandon and just believing for something supernatural in our services or are we going to just go with what's safe? I worry about when people who have left our, our body and they are not plugged in somewhere, el somewhere else and either whether it was through hurt or just uh, getting discontent with, with God not doing what they want to do, where that's going to take us. Second, I would ask you, well, first I'd ask you, have you prayed about it? I don't mean worried about it, but have you prayed about it? Really sat down with God and said, tell me what to do and I will obey. I prayed that prayer, and then the advisory team said, hey, we're going to start meeting weekly, and we're going to start figuring out how to come alongside and help you, get this, help you get this done. Second, I'd ask you if you're willing to give. We're not just talking about finances. Are you willing to give of yourself? If God asks you in prayer to give away that thing that you're worried about or that is consuming your time and money, would you do it? Could you give up that thing that makes you feel secure in this, in, in this earth for something that will give you security that goes beyond this life? I was embarrassed as all can be because of the amount of time we spent at the project, we had weeds like this high around our house. And I didn't have time nor the equipment right now to take care of it. And it was just getting bad. And then I'm worried about the kids getting bit by the same ticket. Gave me whatever I got. You know, and you had the, I had that and, and worrying about it. And finally, I just realized, you know what? Right now, God's got my focus where it needs to be. I get this done, God will take care of rest. But you know, it's real humbling when you hear the mowing go out and it's your, your, uh, your dad who is up in years out there in the heat mowing your yard. And I come out, Dad, let me, no, you got plenty to do. And he would not, not let me help. And sometimes it's very humbling the way God takes care of your things. 
So it's tough. You have to learn to give out sacrificially. You also have to learn to receive when people want to sacrifice and bless you. And then I'd also ask you, are you willing to fast? Whatever that is, whatever it is that might be that might be coming first where God needs to be first. Sometimes the things causing us to worry are things that we have brought into our own life without seeking God's will for them. Kind of joking about that truck and boat, Brother Kleppinger, but one of the flooring guys, you can definitely see that they've been successful because they pulled in a really nice truck with a boat attached for the Labor Day weekend. And they said, oh, is that the new pastoral vehicle there? I said, yes, I have ministry on land and water. And we only had to take up like 10 missions offerings, but we got it. And But sometimes we see something, we're like, look, I've worked hard. And, and you, could just, you, you do, God is okay with you having nice things, but it depends on what you do with it. So have you taken extra time to ask God to give you a new perspective on the stuff you possess, your time, everything you have? So are we trusting in the security of this world and its systems, or are we trusting God? And that's, that's our final question. So I want us in this last moment just to bow our heads and focus our time on the Lord and just ask that question to ourselves and let God, let the Holy Spirit begin to, to guide that conversation. But Lord, are there any, is there anything that I am worrying about that I'm putting before you that has become in a place that it, it does not need to be, where I may not be trusting you to provide or I may not be trusting you to, to uh, work out the details, but God, I've, I've put my efforts and I'm wearing myself out. I'm wearing myself out trying to keep life going in the direction I think it needs to go. And I've, it's pulled me away from things. I find myself making excuses to everyone around me why I can't invest in them or why I can't invest in your kingdom or why I can't invest myself in the things that you've, you've placed around me to minister to others. And I'm just simply, Lord, I'm tied up. Lord, I'm tied up with my own stuff. Everything's come, become more important than, than those around me who might be suffering. Lord, I don't even have any idea what kind of needs might be going on in this church or in, in the church body because I'm not available to be involved in anybody's lives. God, I, I don't know what the answer is, Lord, because my schedule is my schedule right now. I've gotten to this place where, Lord, Life is so busy, and Lord, it seems like everything else is guiding my steps. And Lord, somehow, miraculously, I need you to help me make a break. Lord, I need your help to put my focus in the direction you would like it to be, Lord. And well, yes, Lord, I want to work as unto you in my in my secular job. I want to I want to do well, Lord, as a testimony to what you're doing in my life. But God, I I know that that's not everything you have for me. So Lord, right now we just ask that you speak to our hearts. There is no condemnation in Christ. So Lord, we're not looking in the past and worrying about how we've messed up, God. We're just simply where we're at now saying, Lord, help us move forward. Help us move forward, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. And just a... Be praying for this week as we've got a lot to accomplish before that Saturday work crew to just be ready. And pray that the flooring guys just work with lightning speed and uh, God will help us get done. God bless you and have a wonderful day.